Lord, open our ears, open our eyes, open our minds and hearts so that we will know you better and therefore love you and trust you more. Amen. What is there not to love about living in our modern world? Our athletes swim faster, jump higher, and they're stronger. Our filmmakers are continually producing a steady stream of bigger and better eye candy. Our technocrats spin out new products at a dizzying rate. My friends, we live in an entertainment mecca. What's not to love about this modern world? However, while we continually produce all this great stuff, we as a culture have drifted individually, personally, towards mediocrity. We are ruder on the road and on the internet highway. We get our politics from bumper sticker opinions. We get our religion from an empty smorgasbord. We have mediocrity written all over us. We have become lazy in a number of areas of our collective life. And we collectively have succumbed to what my father-in-law called good enough for government work. Now because I am a Christian first and an American but second, I consider myself primarily a citizen of the kingdom of God. And therefore, good enough for government work points to the fact that I belong to a different government. I belong to a king whose rule I am therefore to live worthy of. Good enough for the kingdom of God is the very best level of excellence that I can live. Amen? Now, how do I do this? I mean, let's talk about practicality. What, what does this, in fact, look like? Well, there are tons of passages throughout the Bible that talk about living a life worthy of the kingdom of God. Passages like Psalms or Proverbs 2, 1 to 7. Passages like John 15 and Ephesians 4 and Psalm 23. There are many descriptions of the exceptional life that Christians are called to live forsaking mediocrity in every area of our life. But as I only have 30 minutes or so, I had to choose one of them. And the passage I chose for this morning, I did so for two reasons. The first is that the Bible commands that I do something very particular. I am here to make you, my disciple-making disciples, independently dependent on the Word of God. In Nehemiah chapter 8, 2 Timothy chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 4, in many of these passages, God tells me that my job is to equip you to be able to take this book and read it for yourself prayerfully and thoughtfully and be able to draw from it the nourishment that your soul needs so that you can walk down this path of becoming more and more like Jesus. This passage gives 
a very clear explanation also both of how and why you are to take this path of righteousness with Jesus. Let's go and read our passage one more time. It's the second paragraph of Psalm 119. It says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes and I will not forget your word. Make no mistake. Living an exceptional life, living forsaking the mediocrity that is all around us is difficult in this world at any point in history. And make no mistake. Doing so will cost a lot of effort. If you are going to live beyond mediocrity, you will, it will take your full attention. Mind, soul, body, and spirit. And make no mistake, it is worth it. It is worth it by God's grace through the power of the Spirit to make the effort it is to live beyond mediocrity. And wherever you are, whether you consider yourself a newcomer or whether you consider yourself an old hat, everyone has a next step that they need to take in their relationship with God. doesn't matter where you are on the road to Christlikeness. You and I and everybody else has <clears throat> this next step. And this journey will begin and continue as you hide God's Word in your heart. Now, before you start thinking, oh, I've heard this memorized scripture sermon before, I want you to hang with me. I'm not going to guilt you, but I'm not going to soft sell you either. Instead, my goal today is to encourage you from God's word and to exhort you to take the necessary steps so that you are able to put God's word in your heart and put it down deep so that you can then take nourishment from it in your daily life. I want you, as you leave today, to be willing and able to commit not to settle for mediocrity. Not settling for mediocrity will mean that your time, your money, your effort, your TV shows and iPad games are all going to take hits, but it will be worth it. If you are going to rise above mediocrity, you will take pains to do it. And I want to talk today about one of the most important factors in that journey. Let's open up again, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Let me start by stating the obvious because sometimes you need to get that just out there to start with. Whenever you see something like here in verse 9 where it says a young man or you see in other passages it says a person, 
I'm giving you permission that unless there's a very specific reason not to do it, you should put your name there. So, how can God, how can Greg Burtnett keep his way pure? By guarding that way according to your word. If you are going to be independently dependent on God's word, the first thing you need to do is recognize that the Bible is addressed to you. The Bible is God's word to you. So go to it and find it and mine the depths of it. Now equally important and easily one of the most important things you can know about studying God's word for yourself is that the Bible uses different phrases to describe different aspects of the same reality. Read thoughtfully. Purity before God is also elsewhere described as being right with God or living righteously or abiding in Christ. And these different phrases all express different emphases that the author wants you to catch about what it means to walk with God. These different emphases, they're facets of the reality of one who is consciously and determinedly seeking to live in a manner worthy of the Lord, understanding which government he works for. And keeping your way pure, in this case, emphasizes that the, this, this idea that you are living in such a way not to be contaminated with sin, not to be dirtied by the sin because you're buddying up to it and you're embracing it and you're pulling it close to you. This isn't hard to understand. This isn't rocket science. This is just paying attention and reading thoughtfully. So how do we do this? What's, what do we do? We do it by guarding our way, says the psalmist. We do it by hiding God's word in our heart. This is the how we live. It's according to God's word. And the rest of the verses in our passage in this second paragraph of Psalm 119 is the psalmist's unpacking of what according to your word means. And is yet another lesson in what it takes for us to become independently dependent on the word of God. Not subject to somebody else's interpretation, but actually going to God's word and Praying and asking, Lord, speak to me through your word so that I can know what you are saying. Very often in the Bible, you will come across something that we should ask, what on earth does this mean? And when we do, pray. It's God's word. He wants you to understand it. Pray. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Pray. Say, Lord, open my eyes to this. Now, go to God's word. Pray. And then keep reading. Very often the answer to your question, what does this mean, will follow very closely in the next verses. Which is exactly what it does in our passage and is part of the reason why I picked it for us today. This independent dependence upon God means that you will go to the text, go to the Bible, and see what it says about what it means. So you want to know, what does it mean to live according to God's Word? We're going to see in just a minute. And how do we do this? I want to give you a short lesson on reading Hebrew poetry. 
Now, aren't you glad about that? Were you thinking this morning, oh man, I want to find out more about reading ancient Hebrew poetry. Well, this is not a hard lesson. It's actually very easy, but you've got to hang with me here. Hebrews used what was called parallelism. And parallelism is where you state something, and then you state it again in slightly different words because it helps explain this idea that's going on. So, verses 9 and 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. And then he parallels it. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Now, we have a chart here. A slide coming up. The white is verse 9 and the yellow is verse 10. So, how can I keep my way pure? All right. The parallel is, with my whole heart I seek you. There, there you go. Then, verse 9, by guarding it according to your word. And then verse 10, the parallel, let me not wander from your commandments. Now, what this does for us, when, when you start to see this in the Psalms, then what you can do is you can go through and work on some differences. So, in verse 9, how can I keep my way pure. Well, with my whole heart I seek you is, is kind of saying something a little bit different, but you know now that it's in this parallel format, so you can say, that's going to tell me something. All right, I need to keep my way pure. Pure life is seeking God with my whole heart. Now, that's not hard. That is something, once it's been pointed out to you, you can do on your own, praying in your morning devotions while you're sitting there eating your cereal and drinking your coffee. This is what you can do. And then we get to verse 11. I have stored up your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we get a little bit expanded parallel. So again, verses 9, verse 10, and then verse 11. With my whole heart I seek you, and how can I keep my way pure? Is by storing up your word in my heart. Okay, now we're doing something. This is something I can do. I can hide God's word in my heart. And by doing that, I'm also seeking the Lord with my own heart. And I'm keeping my way pure. And then I want to find out a little bit more about what it means to, to guard my heart. What does guard my heart mean? Okay, well, psalmist, tell me. Let me not wonder from your commandments. Huh. When I'm faced with a temptation, when I've got this thing right in front of me that I'm tempted to do, how do I guard it? Don't wander from your commandments. What? You mean I, I simply say no to the temptation? Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. Just say no. Channel Barbara Bush. And when you do that, you're asking him that I might not sin against you. Now, now see, what's going on here? We, we've got this. It's God's word that's enabling us. And it's this. We are putting forth the effort to do what God's word is commanding us to do. And what we find is that this is exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And he enables us. So to simply say, let go and let God, which you'll never hear me say that phrase except in derision. To simply say that is to mistake the fact that I need to put some effort. 
But to say, I'm going to do it on my own is folly. Because every single person in this room knows you're going to fail. Amen? Does anybody not know that? Because then I'll start in on another sermon. (laughs) These three verses were one of my first memory verses ever in my Christian walk. I was a young man. I was about 20 years old. I had been a Christian for less than two years. But I still never had anybody do for me what I call discipling. Now, discipling, to make a disciple-making disciple is to provide the spiritual, emotional, intellectual, and physical resources necessary for the person you're discipling to trust Jesus' promises for them and to enable them to pass that same discipleship on to somebody else. So you're equipping them to trust Jesus and you're equipping them to pass on this equipping to trust Jesus to somebody else. And everybody is on a different step along that path and everybody needs to take that next step on that path to becoming like Jesus. I wanted to understand the Bible, but it was so dense it was opaque. I mean, have you ever have you seen how thick that is? I I knew, I knew that I knew that you you probably had to go to school for 20 years to figure this stuff out. And then based upon how many denominations and churches and stuff, man, you you, you even after school for 20 years, you'd probably still have to take 30 different interpretations, right? These three verses were what God used to begin to disabuse me of the lie that I had believed. They they turned my thought to realizing, no, I can, with godly men and women, with my small group, with my church, I can go to God's Word and spend time in prayer and sit down on my bed and read and understand. And the Lord will, through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, make me more and more the man of God that I I really want to be. You can do this. You don't need to get some fancy degree. You don't need to have all kinds of stuff. You just need to have a heart that's willing to go to God's Word. You need to have a heart that is willing to hide God's Word in your heart. Indeed, at this point, I was able to say with the psalmist, Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Now, this is an important verse. Stands right in the middle of our paragraph. And this is an important verse because it teaches one of the most important points to understanding God's word. The word translated bless or blessing in the Old Testament comes from the verb to kneel. And so, if somebody is blessing you with something, you, you stand in this kind of posture and you accept what they're giving you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me. 
And the idea is that someone is greater offers you to bless you, and so you kneel. Now, the one receiving this blessing, the one who is getting something, would call their benefactor blessed because they're acknowledging that this person has something, has this blessing, and they're willing to give it to me. <laughs> You're blessed, dude. Way to go, man. Thank you. Now, by the way, because I don't want you to make a mistake here, the, the, the kneeling part is talking about the humility of receiving. It's not talking about, oh, you know, you are so great, blah, blah. No, that's not, that's, that's not a part of what we're talking about. Now, in the New Testament, this distinction is made in a slightly different way. This distinction is between one blessing and the one blessed is actually clearer. When speaking about the human being who is blessed, and usually that blessing is given by God, a word is used that clarifies the one who is receiving their neediness. The fact that they stand in need of God doing something for them. Blessed in this way is how it's used in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of God. But the word is different when God is the one who is blessed. And that word is comes from the idea of to speak well of somebody. And in the Greek version of this verse, it's, it's that verb. Like the recipient in the Old Testament of the blessing, the New Testament blessed person speaks well of the one who is doing the blessing. And in that sense, takes part in this joy of the one who is blessing. So, you have... Um, Michael and Sarah Conley. I'm going to pick on them because I just saw him sitting over there. They brought this wonderful dinner when we first got our Eliana. And the best way to repay that was to say, thank you. This is a great dinner. This is, you did a wonderful job. And to speak well of them, of, of, of the quality of their cooking and, and how all of this stuff came about. Man, you, thank you, and speak well of them. And the psalmist in our passage, here in verse 12, puts these words into our mouth, calling us to speak well of God and to put this idea of speaking well of God into our hearts and our mouths. So... One of the ways I do this is I say praise Jesus. I say praise Jesus almost all the time because I recognize that I need to be thankful and acknowledge who it is who's giving me this blessing. Saying praise Jesus at every opportunity is one way that I bless God every day. And I say it in part also, not just to remind my heart of the need to do it, but to remind your heart of the need to give thanks to God and bless Him. Now, I'm not a golfer. How many of you guys are golfers? Guys, ladies, you're golfers? I'm not a golfer. But every time I've had sticks in my hand, somebody invariably has said to me, follow through. They probably always say it because I never do it, you know. But the whole idea is that when, when you're golfing, you get back here and you bring the club around, you need to keep looking at the ball and then bring 
the clubs all the way around. It's called follow through. Did I do that okay? You guys? Okay, I did. All right. Yeah, just, just stay away from the right or the left when I'm golfing. If you're straight away, you're fine. Now, likewise, if you one morning decide, oh, Greg told me to open up the Bible, so tomorrow morning you get open and blah, 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 blah. Okay, I did it. If that's what you do and there's no follow-through, you're wasting your time. You're not going to be walking on the path of righteousness. In fact, if anything, that's worse that's worse than just leaving the Bible on the table. Follow through. Say, Lord, give me grace this day to praise you, to bless your name, and to teach me your statutes. And fortunately, very quickly, the psalmist does exactly this in the following verses. Verse 13. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Listen, the things that you talk about, those are the things that you enjoy. And the more you talk about them, the more you enjoy them. If all you think about is Downton Abbey, that's all you're going to want to talk about. If all you think about is, what are my next steps? How do I become better? How do I become more godly? How do I become more and more the man or woman that I want to be? You talk about it. And when you do, you will enjoy it. When you think about them, then you'll enjoy them. Then you'll actually want to do them. And you'll find other people who are on the same place. And they will help spur you on to greater, greater and greater things. That's the first step in this hiding God's word in your heart. The second is a delight. In, every, in the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Can anybody say that? I mean, let's be honest with each other. If, if someone offered you all riches, that'd be mighty tempting, wouldn't it? But what the psalmist is saying here is he's saying, start to delight in God's word more than whatever thing it is that you are lusting after, you're coveting after. It will change you. It will make you more and more like God. So make yourself a deal. Make yourself this deal right now. When you go home and you start flipping through your magazine or you're surfing the net and you start dreaming about this new toy, everybody's got new toys that they want, right? When you start dreaming about this new toy, think about how much time you spend. Okay, well, I just spent about 45 minutes daydreaming about this new toy. Okay, I'm going to take 45 minutes and I'm going to start daydreaming about what God's word means. Wow, that'll change how you look at things. But don't just daydream about, oh, oh, I wish I were a Bible scholar. Because that, that, that gets you nowhere. That's, that's fantasy. Start with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, Acknowledge him, and he shall make your path straight. And think about what that means and how that could apply to reality in my life. How about Joshua 1, 8, and 9? 
This book, the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you are to meditate in it day and night in order that you may do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will find success. Um, Have I not commanded you, do not trouble nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you shall go. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Start thinking about each clause in there and determining how your life would look different if you did it. And how about this one? Isaiah 41.10. Oh, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Spend 45 minutes thinking about those and your life will be different. Now, i got to give a warning here. If you say, I'm going to do that for 45 minutes today, you're going to knock yourself out and you're going to be grumpy at everybody else in your house or you're simply not going to do it. So, spend your 45 minutes lusting after whatever toy you want, but then take five minutes and think about the promise in Isaiah 41.10. Take five minutes. Serious. Decide you're going to do it now. Because if you don't decide you're going to do it now, while I'm up here and the Holy Spirit is helping you think this through, when you get to 3 o'clock this afternoon, you're not going to do it. So decide now that you will. Hide God's Word in your heart. And now we've come to another common misunderstanding of this whole thing. And that is in verse 15. I will meditate on all of your precepts and I will fix my eyes on your ways. Now to meditate, simply, it comes from the idea of mumble or mutter. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. it's, It's to have this undercurrent of muttering God's word. It does not find, mean find the most uncomfortable way to sit and hold your fingers out and say, Om. It means taking a passage and muttering it to yourself so that you could start to pull out, by God's help, what it means. Doing so out loud helps your eyes and ears and mouth all work together so that you can experience it more deeply. Now one way, this is only one way, but it's a way that I have found useful, is to take a short passage and mutter it through by, every time you go through, emphasize the next word. So, for example, Luke 12, 32. This is a really good one to work with. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And when you emphasize each word in there, Think about what that word means, especially as it relates to the whole sentence. So when it gets to little flock, I don't know about you, but I was tempted several times this week to start despairing because of all the stuff I read on the news. Anybody with me on that? Anybody feel like they can despair because of what's on the news? You know what this word helps me understand? This little flock aspect We've always been a little flock, guys. 
And we have a great God whose good pleasure it is to give us the kingdom. So fear not. Think about each word. And if you do that, one of the things that it will cost you is that that nice little quip that your favorite newscaster said last night and you wanted to come back and you wanted to tell all your friends or you wanted to post it on Facebook so you would change everybody's political mind every single time you put your fingers on this keyboard, you'll forget to do it. Or you'll forget what he says. But what you'll remember is fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hide God's word in your heart. Lastly, he reminds us once again, I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. Knowing that we would need a reminder, he reminds us, delight. Talk about it. And when you're talking about it, you will naturally delight in it. Because you are talking about it, you will show yourself and everybody else how important it is to you. You ever go watch a movie? Try, try this next time. Next time you go watch a really good movie, don't talk about it to a single person for a week. You're like, what? That's crazy, Pastor Greg. What on earth are you talking about? Of course I'm going to tell everybody about it. And I'll say, of course you will, because you don't really enjoy the movie as much when you're watching it as you are the next day when you're talking about the conspiracy theories that are in the movie. Right? So go and read the best book of all time and then talk about it to your friends. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, I think we delight in praise, praising what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Do you want to appreciate God's word more? Do you want to delight in God's word? Because if you don't, it won't work. But if you want to, if you want to have your heart changed so that you delight in God's word more, Start talking about it. Hide God's word in your heart. Dave Ramsey is a Christian financial guru kind of guy, and he's put together this program. I highly recommend it. We're going to be doing it again on Sunday nights in September. It's 12 weeks, I believe. And you go through this, and, and you, you start to learn about how to get a hold on your finances. What he said about saving money applies directly to what we're talking about today. He says, if you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. If you take time and effort to start memorizing Scripture today, no matter how old you are, it will pay off. Not because some financial guru, or not because some pastor says so, because God says so. Hide God's word in your heart. How do you do it? Okay, I'm going to give you the easy steps to do it, and this is going to solve all your problems. You ready? Fat chance of that. First of all, you have to recognize that memorizing Scripture is hard work. It, it takes all that you can do, and if you don't recognize that it's going to be hard work, you have already failed. Secondly, it takes a plan. I just felt I don't have my phone in my pocket because I always take it out before I go up and preach. But in my phone, if I had it in my hands, I have a little app in there that 
helps me to memorize Scripture. If you don't want to let your smartphone make you stupid, use it to memorize Scripture. And if you don't have a smartphone, what I did for years is I took little cards, and they were about this big, and I put a little ring on it, and I stuck them in my pocket. And guess what? Everywhere I go, I'm standing there at the supermarket. Instead of looking at whatever trash magazine is sitting in front of me, this is what I can do. And I know you're not supposed to say this, but you know when you go to the toilet and there's nothing else to do because there's just white walls around you, and I know it takes all your brain power to do what you went in there to do, but you could whip out your card and start reviewing your notes. Again, this is my system. This, this, you don't have to do it the way I do it, but this is how I do it. I, I put the verse reference first, and then I read through the verse. I go back to the verse reference, and then I try to do it from memory. So, Luke 12, 32. Fear not, it is, the Lord's, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Okay, now I'm going to do it from memory. Okay, fear not. Um, okay, as many times you have to do it, but try to do it the second time from memory. And then after you do it, after you, even if you have to look a couple times, then you do it one more time. Luke 12, 32. And then you do that enough times in one day to be able to go through it once, perfectly memorized one time, then you can put your cards down. Put it back in your pocket. You do it the next day. It's, good. it's going to take you still some time. You won't have it memorized perfectly, but you'll be able to go a certain ways along with doing it. Third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. By seventh day, you will be taking them out. Oh, yeah. And you don't even have to read it anymore. But I, I recommend you still read it because that keeps you so that you're word perfect. I'm telling you, Hiding God's word in your heart is the most important spiritual discipline because every other spiritual discipline rests on having God's word in your heart. Let me correct one more thing. What is the difference between what I just said and legalism? Well, now let me say it legalistically so you'll know what the legalistic version says. If you don't memorize Scripture, you are a bad Christian. That's the legalistic version. I'm not saying that. Instead, this is what I'm saying. If you memorize Scripture, you will, by God's grace, be able to walk more closely with Him. Do you understand the difference? My friends, take God's Word and hide it in your heart. Lord Almighty, we come before You again as weak sinners. And it is hard work memorizing Scripture, as anybody who has ever done so can testify. Lord, help us to do it. Help us to do it so that we will walk more closely with you and we will love you more because we know you better. In Jesus' name, amen.